Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot treated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, come on for Russia! That's got to be that! It's Charles Bart, it's Pearson, it is 1-0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Belter, what a goal! Another chance for Russell. This time he makes The Rams rampant. Hello, everybody. You're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast with me, Chris Parsons. It's International Week once again, so as Derby are out of action for a few more days, it's time for us to bring you our third interview of the season with an ex-Ram. Paul Pesky Salido joined Derby County 14 years ago this month, scoring crucial goals which helped us avoid relegation, reach the playoffs and eventually gain Premier League promotion. We sat down with the Canadian fan favourite to look back on his time at the Rams from that famous brace against Forrest to how Billy Davis made Derby players feel invincible and why he gave Gary Rowett his big breaking coaching at Burton in 2009. Now if you enjoyed the podcast, please do retweet us or leave us a rating on iTunes. But for now, here's Pesh. Paul Pesky Salido, welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. It's terrific for you to give us your time. It's very kind of you. Um, I did spot you on Rams TV recently, I believe, for the Burton Albion game before Christmas. Do you get, do you get back to Pride Park much these days? Uh, not as much as I'd like to. Um, I've been back on a couple of occasions. I think I came back for uh, one of the old Forest games. Um, and then obviously recently uh, when Derby played against Burton Albion, Michael Johnson... Michael Johnson gave me a ring. Um, obviously, having been involved with both clubs, he thought it would be a good idea to get me in the studio for my views on both clubs. And uh, I did so. It was a great game of football, and I thoroughly enjoyed coming back. Now, seeing seeing Derby in the sort of promotion mix is obviously quite familiar to you, uh, having played in two playoff campaigns for Derby in 2005 and 2007. But it was a bit of a roller coaster spell we had with the club, wasn't it? Because you um, you joined in 2004, I believe, and then you had four seasons with Derby, including two relegation scraps and two promotion campaigns. How do you sort of look back on your time at the club in in general? Nothing but fond memories, but it was it was crazy. It was kind of a relegation promotion, relegation promotion, both seasons, uh, all four seasons. Um, and at the time, I was at Sheffield United. We were sitting quite high in the table. Um, and I was just kind of fed up of being a bit part player at Sheffield United. They always saw me as super sub. Neil Warnock wouldn't, wouldn't start me in game. So uh, I got the phone call <clears throat> from George Burley and Michael Johnson, who's a, who's a close pal. He had recently joined from Birmingham. And he kept going on about Derby and the facilities and what a fabulous club it was. And um, then I got the call from George Burley and uh, saying that they'd accepted a bid, uh, Sheffield United, and would I sit down with them? And I did. And I was very impressed with everything, you know. Obviously, as he was he was keen on getting me to the club. I came and saw the facilities and, and what it was all about. I knew that there would be more players to follow because uh, they were, you know, they were in a relegation battle when I when I first joined. And it, it was it was great, and it always helps too when you join a club and you score on your debut. And unfortunately for me, 
I managed to do so against Rotherham, and it was the it was the uh, the only goal. Uh, uh, it was a one 0 win against against Rotherham, I think. Um, I was just going to say you um, you know the season you joined, you couldn't really have asked for a, a better start, an introduction to the Derby fans, could you? Was it four goals in your first three appearances? It was indeed. It was indeed, and it was it was really crucial as well because uh, the club was in, in dire straits. It was in you know in a relegation battle, and uh, you know obviously nobody wanted that for the club, but certainly I didn't. Um, yeah, and it's always good to endear yourself with the supporters by when you turn up and, and, and score that first goal, especially when it's the winner. It's, uh, it, it makes your, your transition seamless. And it was two of those first four goals included a certain very memorable brace against the local rivals. Uh, how much do you remember about, about that day? I remember everything. It was, uh, you know, obviously the build-up is, is massive and I hadn't, I hadn't been involved in a, in a derby before, but I'd heard so much about it. And, um, you know, the build-up throughout the week, that's everyone's talking about you here, you know, to see the newspapers and what it means to supporters and, and to the football club. So there was a lot of pressure on it. And like I said, we were, I think we were both in a bit of a relegation scrap at the time. So uh, it was fabulous. You know, it was, a, it was a great occasion. Very windy afternoon, as uh, one of my goals probably was a result of. And to score two goals against the arch rivals, it's a, a great way to, again, endear yourself with the supporters and probably why I have such a good affinity with, the, with, with Derby County. Tell, tell us about how much you remember about what fans refer to as the coffee cup goal. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, st- I still get, you know, it's one of those uh, what happened next moments and everybody always refers to that goal. You know, it's just an absolute freaking nature. nature. You'll never see anything like that happen ever again. You know, it was a windy day. There was a lot of debris on the pitch, but the ball was passed back to the goalkeeper, a harmless back pass to the goalkeeper. And I thought I'd chase it down just to, to make a bit of an effort. And uh, a gust of wind picked up this Kenko coffee cup, managed to somehow tee up the ball on top of it as poor I think it was Roach went to, Barry to clear Roach, Barry yeah. poor Barry Roach went to clear I mean, it didn't it. just hit the cup did it no, it didn't it just roll up. over it it no, completely no, sat it up literally like, kind of, it like caught a tea, the cup and sat up as a tee and he's kicked the cup unfortunately and took about 20% of the ball and it just went straight up in the air and landed right in front of me and all I had to do was uh, left foot volley into the back of the net and uh, didn't really know what to do didn't know what to celebrate you know, you looking back bit, at it look, now, you looked a bit was, bemused yeah, by the whole thing. If yeah, I, I was bemused, and <laughs> looking back, you know, it was such a huge occasion. I wish I could have run around the pitch a few times because, uh, you know, it was a big occasion. But I, th- I scored a second, and I think I made up for it then. And uh, we went on to win the game and uh, put ourselves in a really good position. So tell us about what what it's like to to, to join a new team because you had a few clubs yourself, like West Brom, mm-hmm. Birmingham, Fulham, Sheffield United, that sort of thing. Like when you join a new club, you talked about getting the call there. You turn up for training for, for yeah. the first time. What's it like? Is it literally you pull up and then it's sort of a case of, you know, we've got a new pupil in class, sort of like, like school style? Or? It is. Well, I was, t- I was, you know, I was a good 30 odd years old by then. So I'd already known a lot of the players and, you you know, you've been either played with them or seen them or played against them. So it's not as like a going to, to school for the first time like it was probably in the early stages of my career. But it's new, you know, you turn up and you get your chain, you got to meet all the, the, the staff and the kit man and, um, you know, there are lots of players that you still don't know and the, the physios and what have you. But it's always a nice experience. They always make you feel really welcome. Very rarely do you go into a club and they don't make you feel welcome. And uh, again, what helps is you go in there, you play your first game. And if there's any questions about your, you know, what you are as a player, you go in there and you score and you win. The players accept you even better, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, I, I was very fortunate in my career that I think I scored on most of my debuts. Which members of that squad sort of helped you settle in the most? 
Uh, well, I knew Jono. Uh, Jeff Kenner, I think, came as well. So I knew Jeff from his time Birmingham and he lived locally. It was a completely different squad. I remember Marco Reich, Reich was there, who was, he was hilarious. Yeah. It was Junior who was there, even another funny character. And then we had a lot of young lads, you know, Tom Huddleston, who looked about, played like a 30-year-old, but was, you know, just 16, 16 at the time, wonderful yeah. player. Lily Holmes, uh, <clears throat> Adam Boulder, Paul Borton, Campy and, and Granty were there. We, we had a really, you know, there was already a good core of players there that uh, got on with really well. And, and it was uh, that core of players who the following season Derby were obviously a completely different proposition and they finished fourth in the in the championship but lost in the playoffs to Preston um you know how, how did George Burley improve that team as much as he did um well obviously uh, I think strengthening it with players um Ian Taylor another big huge character and a great player and it just clicked it was just one of those things you know he brought in the right people at the right time that uh, that galvanized um, George had a very good way of, uh, of getting the group together. I don't know how to explain it, and I don't know how he did it, you know, the transformation. But I like to think that he did bring in some good senior pros, John O, myself, Ian Taylor, Jeff Kenneth, guys who were, you know, took a lot of responsibility in the dressing room and took care of the younger ones. And I'd like to think that perhaps that little bit of experience pushed us on to get to the playoffs. Did you um, help sort of look after the younger players yourself yeah, as well? Yeah, we, absolutely. I'd, absolutely. Players I like Lee Holmes and Absolutely. We tried, yeah. We obviously integrated them into everything and, you know, you give them advice if they wanted it. If they didn't want it, you left them alone. Um, yeah, we did. You know, we even had, you know, Giles Barnes who in the next seat, you know, I think he came up in, in the later seasons. You know, he had to be knocked down a few pegs because he was... Uh, you know, he, he I didn't want to say it myself, but I was going to ask you. You know, obviously, a lot of Derby fans believed him to be quite a quite a confident character. Yes, had a lot of belief in his own ability. He Is that did. the impression he you did. got from working Absolutely. directly with him? Absolutely, and he could have been. I think he could have gone on to do, do great things, but I think there's confidence and there's arrogance, and there was sometimes arrogance with with uh, with Barnsley. Um, he was a great player and he knew it, but sometimes people like hum, more humble people yeah. uh, than people are in your face, and especially senior players. Um, there's a time and a place to do your showboat, and I think he chose the wrong. What about any particular instances it. in training then where he, he. Yeah, he would go past people and pace. He would like take the Mickey out of them while you're playing. You're thinking. I always thought that was an, an urban myth. He actually oh, yeah, used to no, do that. Yeah, he used to do that. Yeah, he used to do that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Regularly or just the ones? He used to that on, on a few occasions. And myself and Morrow, we used to pull them to side and say, come on, Barnsley, you know, you're a fabulous player, good young player, but, you know. Less of that. Tone it down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And Billy used to be hard on too. Billy didn't, he didn't like that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, he had everything. So it's a shame because his career could have... He's been, in uh, he's Mexico in now, isn't he? Is he in Mexico signed, or America? Yeah. He was, in, he was oh, okay. in America, but he signed for a Mexican club quite recently. Yeah. Okay. So that team, as we, as we said there, also boasted a very young Tom Huddleston. Yes. Um, what did you make of him when you saw him break through? Unbelievable! I've never seen anything like it. I really, I, you could ping a ball at Tom. You do keep ball sessions in small areas, and you could ping a ball at him from two, three foot away, and he would kill it dead, regardless of where you hit it. His first touch was phenomenal, and his his vision, his passing. He was very, very calm, cool, and collected. I know people say, "Oh, he couldn't run. He couldn't run. He he could run enough. He didn't. You know, maybe he couldn't sprint. You know, hundred meters in in, in nine seconds." But he could—he was mobile enough, and uh, what he he lacked in, in maybe that, his footballing brain was 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 head and shoulders above anything I've ever seen. He was a wonderful player. So two years later, after another year in, of transition in which Derby almost got relegated again, they were challenging at the right end of the table 
under Billy Davis. Mm-hmm. How was his management style different to that of George Burley? Um, George was very laid back and more of a, a funny character and kind of let you get on with it. And and like I said, that's probably why we succeeded in the second season because we did have a lot of senior players that maybe took care of the discipline side of things. Then under Billy, Billy was a disciplinarian, but he was all about putting a bubble around the squad. So everybody was in this bubble and anyone on the outside of this bubble was against us. So it was us against the world. He had a real knack of, of making us feel as though, you know, we had to stick together and tactically he was very good. His training sessions were, were, were demanding, but again, very good. Organization. Billy was, you know, as close to being perfection as a manager you could be. He really was, you know, he had, he had the lot. I think he had issues with, uh, the, maybe this bubble that he put around us, he put us kind of us against the board at times. I don't, I don't know whether that's really? talking at a term. No, I don't know. I'm, we didn't see this, but I'm just looking at it now. We obviously had issues with the board. That was always, you know, the problem. Even when we had the promotion, he came out saying that if they didn't back me, he was going to leave. It kind of put a little bit. I of think a, he's, a he's said on. words to that effect in yeah. the uh, after the playoff final, exactly on, on the pitch. So there was obviously some type of battle that that perhaps didn't uh, go down well with, with the with the board of directors or whatever it was. I don't know because I don't have the insight into that. But um, um, in terms of the playing staff and the players he was he was fantastic he really was so in that 06-07 season the last time Derby were promoted to the Premier League yes. in which you played yourself uh, we asked this to, to another player we spoke to recently although it's with regards to relegation is there a point in that season is there a specific game or moment when you start to think as a squad you know this is happening yeah. this is our chance and if, if there is what I can was tell it you for- exactly when it was because Billy used to say it all the time he would say when the transfer window shuts because at the beginning of the season, you did your preseason, which was hard, and we were fit. And we started the season, and he says, we're not going to work on the shape. We're, we're going to do basic shape, and we're going to do basic set pieces, nothing too detailed. And I think because he had kind of a – he didn't want anything outside getting outside. So if players to leave, they would know about what he had in store for us. So, so when you say, once the transfer window shuts, that's when we're going to go. That's when we're going to go. And he kept saying that, when the transfer window shuts, all the time. And then when the transfer window did shut, that was it. It was organization, set pieces. The the summer transfer window. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then it just it just happened. So it was about a month into the season or whatever it was. I'm talking the um the, the at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And that's and it just clicked. Everything fell into place. We thought, geez, this is it. He needs well, so, to so that so that early on, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, September yeah. time. Absolutely. Yeah. You realised that yeah. you know he was building something special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a chance here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you about a, a couple of the goals you scored, but one of the ones I always remember is that game away at Sheffield Wednesday in uh, was it September, quite early on, yeah, so yeah. around that time, September, yeah. when Derby are 1-0 down yeah. and a man down. Giles Barnes actually right, got, got himself uh, sent off. Yeah. Then you came on. Yeah. Do you remember much about what happened after that? We scored a goal. Was it Stevie Howard? Did he score the first? Uh, we well, he, he, he got the winner and you okay so I got the equaliser yeah yeah. I, I, I do remember it I was getting a lot of abuse for obvious reasons I haven't been at Sheffield United of course um, bit of a scramble someone's taking a shot it's deflected and it's looped <clears> up in the air and it was just about to drop to the defender I don't know who it was at Sheffield Wednesday and I just pushed about three of them out of the way I saw it yeah I thought that in the video the you gave him a little nudge didn't yeah, you oh, yeah. it was more than just a little nudge and I've seen on the videos thinking oh my how did I get away with that Refting and notice. it's just and it's just landed on my foot and I half volleyed it into the roof of the net and ran off celebrating and then we went on to score the winner is there much that compares to a feeling like that scoring nothing. a goal like that nothing there's nothing you can't recreate that feeling 
Especially of goals of importance like that or a spectacular goal. There's nothing that can, you can't explain the feeling. It's just, it's euphoric. It's unbelievable. Derby with the free kick, which Idiakes will take. Having a good long look. Oh, and he went for the top corner and they've got it in. Yes. And it's Pesca Salido who's come back to haunt Fulham just on as a substitute. You played in a, you played with a number of sort of strike partners yourself, yeah. even with the games you played in, in the playoff seasons. Yeah, it was uh, in the first one it was mainly Gregor's Raziak. Yes, and in the second one it was mainly Steve Howard. Yeah, uh, how, how did those two players sort of compare playing with those two? Um, it was kind of the old, uh, the old-fashioned big man, little man. You know, both scenarios, yeah. Yeah, both scenarios. I did have a good little partnership with Tuggy as well. It was a um, Marcus Tuggy as well. The season before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we weren't. He wasn't the tallest, but we had a decent little partnership going as well. But with with Gregor, it was instant. You know, sometimes managers or, or people will ask you, you know, how do you know? Can you work at it? Does it get better? With Gregor, it it was it, first day in training. He's turned up. And we happened to be put on the same five-side team. And we must have done three or four overs and little one-twos, scoring goals left, right, and center. And I remember thinking, I could work with this guy. We're, it was just, it was tel- telepathic. We just kind of were on the end of everything. So um, even though, so presumably, his English was his English quite was broken terrible. or anything. Yeah, it was terrible. It wasn't broken, it was terrible. It barely spoke a word. But I, I, I tried, to, I think he spoke Italian. I think he, was, he played a season in Italy. So I was able to converse on Italian. So really? Like, yeah. you, spoke, you spoke to Raziak in Italian? Yeah, I think we, yeah, initially, I think his was broken Italian and mine wasn't even much better. But no, it, it was good. But it was an instant, in training, like I said, it was his first session. I think he, I don't even think we'd bought him. I think he would just come in to have a look at him first because we had a lot of uh, players that were just brought in like an ego. Um and I think I helped him get a contract. But yeah, it, it was brilliant. It was fantastic. Then again with Stevie. Stevie is another big target man. Holds things up. Takes, you know, the physical physicalities, the game, that part of the game away from me. So I could just, you know, kind of chase his 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 flick-ons or, you know, get onto what, he, what would fall off him. And it worked. Had a thick Geordie accent, but I guess he was still a bit easier to, uh, to understand. Absolutely. And he was a really good lad. You know, that's the, you know, that's one thing that's, uh, that's important too. You can be the best football in the world, but if you don't, have that camaraderie on the pitch sometimes it's very difficult as well so in that 06-07 season to go back to it to take us into the dressing room when Billy Davis was giving those team talks because at the end of the day he is the last manager to get Derby into the Premier League what was it he would actually say to sort of get the most out of those players because we were talking before we started recording how yeah. with respect to yourself that team was a solid championship team yeah but no world beaters no nope. but he Sort of squeeze so much out of that group of players. Yeah. What would he say to you before matches? He just made us feel invincible. And I think anytime you go to, you know, anytime I had teams that were successful, it was, it was that feeling of invincibility that you could go into every game, you beat everyone, you weren't frightened of anything, you could just go and feel relaxed and play and not worry about it. And that's what he used to do. Um, he was very ultra organized, so we knew about the opposition's every move, so we'd, we'd be able to counter it. He made you feel on cloud nine, you know, and he was, you know, he didn't mess about. And if you didn't pull your finger, you know, if you didn't pull your finger out, he would, he would have a go at you. You know, he wasn't frightened. He wasn't one of these that kept quiet. He would tell you a few home truths. So you couldn't slack and you couldn't hide because he would tell you. And he gave you a start, didn't he, in the, in the playoff did, final yeah. against he, West Brom. Do you, remember the, do you remember what it was like, the team talk he gave for that match? Well, I'll tell you what happened. We went away to Springs for a week, I think, prior to the build-up of the game. We went away because there's a training facility at that um, De La Zouche Champagne Springs. And Billy had a real thing about 
things being leaked to press and he was really conscious that he didn't want things getting out. He was almost um, paranoid about these things. And he pulled me aside and I, had, I was, you know, I was having come on, I was coming on as a sub on, on a lot of occasions that, that season. And he pulled me two or three weeks before and he said, uh, it was crazy, he said, Pesh, what do I want you to do? I want you to go down in training, pretend you pulled a hamstring. And I was like, what? He said, I want you to go down, pull, pull your hamstring. Before the, this before the, the game. He said, but don't worry, you're starting at Wembley. <laughs> I said, what, no way. what are you on about? Yeah. He said, what are you on about? I said, no, no, no. You, just, and all the reports were I wasn't going to play because I was injured and I wasn't well. I wasn't, you know, I pulled my hamstring. And I didn't pull my hamstring. I was fine. And I was almost thinking, is he double bluffing me? Because I know I was a, a bit of a crowd favorite. And I thought maybe he's going to use, he might go say I, I'm injured. I'm agreeing I'm injured. Is he going to? Say and maybe not even be on the bench. So I was panicking. I was like, "Oh my God, is he? Is he? Is he? What's it?" So I was really panicking. Was he trying to second guess West Brom? Do you think? And, yeah, um, I think so. And not only that, he wanted to make sure that you know, if there was a leak, he, you know, that obviously there was a leak in the squad, then he would have to obviously deal with that in the long run. So that that was it. So I, I knew I was playing, but I was still kind of skeptical, thinking, "Oh my God, maybe I'm not even on the bench." And he's doing that, and then it takes the pressure off, not even on the bench. But anyway, I, I played, and it was great. I and when you went down in training yeah. with a quote hamstring injury, yeah. did it? Did the other players sort of say, "Oh, Patrick, yeah, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Are you going to make did, it?" Was there genuine protect- concern for you? Yeah, they were like, "Oh, you know, you all right?" Obviously, everybody's worried about themselves to a certain extent. <laughs> but I even with the physio, the physio was like, "I had to dupe him as well, so I had to fake a hamstring injury." <laughs> Um, then what a few days later you, you sort of turn around and say oh I'm, I'm fine now don't worry about it yeah well it was <laughs> yeah leading up to it I literally had to have a couple like a, I think it was a 10 days of, of treatment then I, then I obviously started gradually training but it was going to be too late for me to but I didn't pull my hamstring I was fine so, but, and you had the treatments go with it as well yeah like the, you know, the whole lot to go through the whole the web, web of lies absolutely I'm physio for nothing wow. and I played yeah that is quite an insight. I must, it really was. I must yeah, admit. it was. Um, yeah, it was interesting. In terms of the game itself, yes. Uh, how much do you remember of that occasion? Walking, I remember, and I still haunts me is the chance I had. I think in the yeah. first twenty minutes, one on one with the keeper, and I've, I've skewed it. And you know, one thing I prided myself in was finishing. I was a good finisher, and that was a terrible finish. Um, but I still maintain that perhaps had we had scored that early on, the outcome may have been different. They might have. You know, they might have turned the screw and beaten us. That's what I'm trying to take a spin a positive from it because I was so disappointed that I didn't score that. Um, but I see what you, you know, mean. I guess yeah. maybe scoring anybody for you know, we had 60 yards, 67 minutes. They, you know, squad wise, they had all the superstars and they were, you know, they were the the favorites over us. Um, so you know, potentially maybe that would have, you know, spurred them on to to do that a bit more and perhaps gone into this game. But the main thing was to win the game. I would have loved to have scored. It would have been a great way to. Uh, you know, to score Wembley and be the winner, then you know that's everybody's dream. But uh, winning and getting the Premier League was just as good. It is score here, or it is another season in the Championship. It's Carter's corner. Pearson of all people with the touch. Derby County are heading for the Premiership. Billy Davis's boys have done it. I know it's a bit of a, a bit of sweet period for you after that when uh, when you left the club. Yeah. That summer, but do you remember much about the you know the celebrations yeah. after getting into oh, the Premier League? And... Absolutely, yeah. The celebrations were fabulous on the pitch. We you know we had a party into the night, which was which was fantastic. You, um, you remember much about that? Uh, not really. Actually, <laughs> you know what? I think I I just kind of sat back. I didn't get crazy. Uh, you know, usually I would. 
on that occasion, perhaps I was getting you know a little later on in the years, and I just kind of sitting back and trying to suck it all in. Um, where did you Where did you go? We you were remember? at the hotel where we stayed because uh, it was at good, uh, it was at the Millennium. I can't remember which stayed what hotel it was in London, but uh, and where the party was. But it was it was a late night, but it wasn't I wasn't crazily drunk. Any uh, any big drinkers in that squad? who got a bit carried away. Oh God, yes, Seth and Furs and. Um, <laughs> Uh, by water Paul, Paul Thurwell you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Seth was a big drinker uh, Stevie Stevie Howard likes a drink um, all the lads to be fair it was, it was Stephen a, Bywater after a few drinks that's quite he was my roommate that's quite he's, a yeah, scary he's, proposition I tell you what he's one of the nicest blokes you'll meet but what a, what a character strange fella but what a great I've lad. seen his he's back garden mate. sorry <laughs> I've seen his back oh was it his front garden he had some sort of modern oh, right. art that's installations right. yeah. in his garden, he's, didn't he? He did. That's right. No, he's a great lad, and uh, I still, you know, I, I still every once in a while I have a little text with him. He's a, he's a real good lad. Was it a bit sort of a a bit sweet end for you at Derby? Then would you say because it was obviously your last game yeah. before you were released, but uh, your I'll, last game you I'll helped honest, Derby into the Premier I've League. never really said this before, but it was a terrible end because uh, I was away on holiday, you know, celebrating with Karen and I, and. Uh, when I got back, I had a letter through from Derby County, an official letter saying, thanks for your services, we aren't renewing your contract. That's how they told you in Absolutely. the post. yeah. And I had a good relationship with Billy and, and Ned, who, uh, David Kelly, who I still golf with now and see him on a regular basis. I was devastated, absolutely devastated. Um, you know, they got to the Premier League. Listen, I was 34, 35 years old, so I, you know. But I was, you know, already I was... So even again at Derby to a certain extent, super sub towards the end, um, I would have played for free. I would have played for free to, to have the chance to play with Derby in the Premier League, um, and they didn't even offer me that. You know, they didn't even offer me that. There was no, there was nothing. There was no chat, nothing. It was just a letter. Thanks for coming out. See you later. I was absolutely devastated to have given the service that I did to have that. I thought it was really poor on the club. Really I think. Poor. I think despite that, you know, all the fans. Are extremely grateful for the uh, for the contribution you did make. You yeah, know? No, I, I guess despite the way it ended, yeah. if you look back on the the period where you're at the club, you must be able to say to yourself that you had a, you had a big say in um, in what they achieved. I like to think so. And again, I go back there, and, and people are, are nothing but but pleasant, and I still get a very good uh, um, welcome from everyone. So that's I, I just it would have been lovely. You know, it wasn't like they went and broke the bank for the Premier League to stay up. You know, it would have been great even to be the fifth striker. I would, like I said, I would have done it for nothing if they gave me the opportunity. I said, "Listen, don't worry about your wage bill because I, I will play for free." Um, so I was, uh, yeah, that hurt me. Well, I speak on behalf of a lot of Derby fans when you know when when, when we thank you immensely for your contribution, not just then, but also as we'll come on to in the second part, your contribution in giving our current manager his big break in. 2009. We'll come on to that in part two where we'll talk about your working relationship with Gary Rowett. Uh, but in the meantime, Paul Pesky-Sledo, thank you very much. Cheers. Powell again. There's Villains. Asanovic. Daly! Derby have equalised. Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast. We're here with Paul Pesky Salido telling us about his time with the Rams. What, what's he up to these days? I saw he did, doing some sort of Canadian media work. Is that, is that right? That's right, yeah. Um, I was approached by DAZN, D-A-Z-N. It's a, um, a media company that have the rights for La Liga, Ligue 1, Championship and Serie A. 
um, and one of the countries who have the rights for it. it's an it's an online um, so it's a kind of they call it the Netflix of sport. Okay. It's an on-demand sports channel, and Canada is one of the subscription countries uh, of which they've asked me to do the commentary and uh, some presenting work and some interviews and insight into players on the channel. So, did they uh, give you uh, uh, El Clasico the other week? They is that did. Right? Yes, they did. It's not yeah. a bad gig to get. No, it was great. No, I'm, I'm getting all the, the the good the big games. I guess because it's. Um, uh, the, the studios are done here in England they want a familiar Canadian voice and someone people know back home to relate to so I'm getting all the, the big games and, it's not uh, Derby for a bit in Albion though is it? no no but, that's uh, a good or a bad thing but. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, no, it was good and even at halftime because I'm doing little segments where I've, they had me um, interviewing different players and they had me going back to Sheffield United it was kind of a 7-8 minute clip of me going back to one of their matches and meeting all the old staff and what have you and that was played at halftime so yeah it's good I'm really enjoying it and uh, different sides of the game but uh, it's good fun now Derby's current manager is a man you know well yourself of course um, as uh, <laughs> got your little dog here haven't we as Gary Rowett as your assistant at Burton Albion for three years between 2009-2012 you appointed him yourself what, what qualities did he have which impressed you well, first of all, when I was at Derby as a player um, under the Phil Brown era, um, I was kind of banished to the to the to the um, to the youth team to train. Uh, don't ask me why, and let's not go into that. But um, Gary was um, with uh, Terry Wesley. He was he was he used to do the training sessions because. Um, Terry was, he doing, was he working on his badges at that point? Or? No, no, he was a coach. He was the coach. He, Terry Wesley was the actual academy boss, but Terry was helping Phil Brown. Um, and he put Gary in charge of the academy because he was the un- I don't know which what age level he was doing, but and it was Terry Wesley who he took over the first team for. The that's end of that right. Season. Phil Brown uh, promoted Terry to to help out with the first team coaching because he didn't have any staff, so Gary was running the the academy. And when myself, Jeff Kenna, Stern John, I think it is for some reason, we obviously upset Phil Brown. He didn't he banished us to the to the youth team. We had the pleasure of working with Gary, and Gary was running the the, the youth players. And his sessions were magnificent. So we would train with them from Monday to Friday. It's very difficult to motivate three lads who've been banished from the first team with the academy boys, but we had probably the best time ever because the sessions were fantastic. He was brilliant, Gary. What was it that was so good, so good about them in the sense that they were they enjoyable were, to play in? They or? were enjoyable, but they had meaning. He had a very good way with the players. And, you know, we were senior players who were annoyed at not being in the team. And he had a real way of, you know, even making us feel... Very inclusive. It was, it was brilliant. He was, and like I said, they were intense, but they had a meaning to, to it. Um, he expected, you know, he expected the best from it. And they, they were, they'd flow. There was not much time in between, but it went from session to session to session. There was a progression, everything he did. I remember thinking, God, this guy's good. This guy's really, really good. I guess if you can get players to enjoy training, that's then half the that's half the battle one, Of course isn't it? it is. And if you, you know, if you've got uh, something behind that, even better. So I, I never forgot that. What sort of drills would you put on that were so no, impressive? I can't, I can't remember. Listen, they're all kind of the same drills, but you know, you know, I'm sure if you speak to um, Mourinho, people who've worked under Mourinho, they'll say the same thing. But it's, there's just something different when someone's got the knack of doing it. There's just that little, perhaps it's the tempo. Um, little tweaks on different drills. They're seamless. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it just. I just remember thinking that that this guy's good for a player Very like good. yourself who was you know in the twilight of your yeah. career, as it were, to be so impressed by that speaks absolutely. volumes about his um, absolutely. And I had early good, coaching you know, ability. I, had some, I worked with some some really good managers. You know, the likes of your Billy Davis, um, Neil Warnock's brilliant, Kevin Keegan, Tigana. You know, I had some really good managers. So I can't. But Gary just had something different. It was a new age kind of 
Man, that's what I was going to ask you because that's how you described him before. Yeah. Um, how, what do you What do you mean by that? What do I mean by it? They do. They have aspects of everything. You know, some of the older school managers, someone like Neil Warren, for example, who I think the world of. I know not everybody's cup of tea, but he has a. He's a motivator. He's again very good at galvanizing groups together, and he, you know, he's a bit old school in his approach. Doesn't really do much Monday to Friday on the training pitch. Doesn't really do the sessions. Leaves all that to Kevin Blackwell, who again was a great coach. But then, you know, he came in on the Friday and or did organization, whatever. Whereas the new age coaches nowadays, managers nowadays, have everything. They can do the training. They do the every aspect. Well, sort of analysis, scouting. Analysis, everything. scouting, yeah. psychology. They have a little bit of everything. Um, discipline, everything. And Gary's he's exactly like that. And it's, it's very difficult to try to combine all that in one without either seeming aloof or seeming... Um, you know, sometimes players don't get you if you're if you're quite an intelligent person. Sometimes players it just it goes over their head. But he has a way of making everybody understand from all different walks of life. He's 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 very very good. So I'm not surprised by success. And you know, obviously, when I went to Burton Albion, I needed to. I was an experienced manager. I needed a, a, a I needed a coach. And I remember Gary, the thing for me too was he had, he had been at Burton as a player. So he knew the players more so than even I did. So it was a, it was a you know, a, a great idea, you know, to have someone like him. So what was your uh, day-to-day relationship like when you worked together? Um, t- tell us about how he went about his work as your assistant at Burton. For those kind of two and a half years, we spoke every single day, 55,000 times a day. You know, we we did everything together. You know, we were out of each other's pockets. But he was mainly in charge of the, all the, all the running all the sessions. Um, because we didn't have a huge amount of staff, I kind of looked after the, uh, you know, more of the recruitment and bringing players in and dealing with the mental side of players and speak to him. But Gary, Gary did most of the, the, the training. But listen, we, we spoke about everything. We spoke about every aspect of everything going on. But I knew at the time that he was he was too good to be an assistant because albeit his sessions were great and he was he was ultra organized. I remember him having books and books of training sessions from the past and he would log everything in. And I remember this, you know, he is definitely going to go on to be a great manager. So presumably you sort of, uh, you know, watch opponents ahead of games together and stuff. Yeah, and, oh God, yeah, um, we scheduled games afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah, he, yeah, was, yeah. he was a big part of that. Absolutely. We, we, yeah, we did everything together. We were kind of a, a, you know, it was a 50-50. There wasn't, we both did everything together. We did analysis. We did, you know, we tried to cover every aspect as we possibly could that two people can do. But um, yeah, it was, it was good. It was, it was quite an eye opener. He was, you know, obviously he was even more experienced than I was because he had been coaching quite for quite some time and uh, no, it, was, it, it was an eye-opener. Do you see many parallels between Rowett's team and the Billy Davis team you played in? Yeah, I do, to a certain degree. Again, there's no real superstars, um, but they're organised. They have a certain mentality and I think that's what Gary has a knack at finding players that have that right mentality. Perhaps maybe what they lack in skill, they'll make up in, in fighting spirit. And I sometimes say teams that get promoted from the championship need to have that mental you know that 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 mental strength otherwise it won't get promoted is that something and, you think derby have missed in previous yeah, years i do perhaps yeah and to the you know it, it's very it's a very difficult position to be in because you get promoted with those type of players but those players type of players very very rarely do they keep you in the premier league so it's almost like a complete and utter new recruitment when we get the premier league but it's very difficult it, it, you know it's a very tough job but I'm sure the club is in, in, in very good hands with Gary. 
He was linked with a with, with the Stoke City position. Yes. Uh, one of your former clubs, am I right in thinking? Yes, they are. Yeah. Um, in uh, uh, in in January, um, what was your take on that? Would you, do you think he's in to, to further his career? Do you think he's be- he was best yeah, staying at Derby? I do. I do. Um, you know, Stoker in a precarious position at the minute. Um, I don't think their squad is is. I don't think it's the greatest squad. It's an aging squad. They they lack goals. I think for Gary, you know, he's still on the way up. I think for his resume to have a promotion on there speaks volume. You know, it'd be great. I'm sure if he went to Stoke, he would have kept them up. I'm I'm quite sure that he would do that. But to keep Stoke up still doesn't have that same kind of check on 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 a resume. I think he needs a promotion in there. As, as getting does. getting Derby Perhaps up again. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. getting that promotion under his belt, one on his on his resume, say a promotion. I think that stands him in good stead and he'll get the feeling of that and know what it takes to do that and uh, it'll be better for him in the long run the style Derby have now the style of play sort of conceding possession a lot of the time um, but being more direct sort of playing through the lines quicker and hitting teams on the break uh, did you ever get a, a sort of an impression that that was his favourite style at Burton like what, what's, what would you say is well, that sort of footballing philosophy well, well we had different philosophies which probably why the partnership works so well as well because if you have someone who just agrees with anything you say when times are you know when you're not when you're going through spells that are not going very well you need someone who has a different approach Gary used to say to me all the time you, we need to go a little bit more direct I'm not suggesting that we're going to play hoofball he said but you know and this towards the end we had one in four, five, six games whatever it was and he kept saying to me we need to change it we need to go more direct let's get the ball down the channels I know you don't want to and I sacrificed I said Gary if I'm going to go down I'm going to go down doing it my own way I want because I wanted it was all about playing the right brand of football is what I want I wanted the reputation to be a manager who plays attractive football and that's what ultimately got in the sack had I listened to Gary with my, <laughs> you know I might still be in a job right now It's I wouldn't say that's his style but he's practical he'll know what players he's got and he will play towards their strengths I'm sure that if he had Man City's team he wouldn't be playing you know a little bit more direct approach he will look at those players and he'll see what can how can I get the best out of these how can we win games this is the way to do it and that's what he'll choose so he's not necessarily about no. having having a rigid style he's, no, 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 he's no, no, more no. about no, no, no. Uh, about best utilising it's about winning the, it's about winning assets he has yeah yeah. I just think he's got the right approach I think he's, he's looked at them He's he's seen what their strengths are and he's playing towards that but I wouldn't say he's he's got a style as such. He wants to win, and that's the most important thing. It's a perfectly valid point to raise because I think it's what has uh, held Derby back, perhaps in, on previous occasions. You know, Steve McLaren had a quite um, uh, you know a rigid style that he stuck to a lot of the time, which uh, which Derby ended up uh, getting found out with to, yeah. to an extent, I think. And one of the most and, refreshing and things what, is that, is that Gary doesn't have that. You know? And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you know you can. Get, I got cut out with it. It was great for two seasons. We were great. We are playing beautiful football. Everybody used to say, oh, the football's amazing. The football's amazing. But we never won anything. We were kind of mid-table team doing, but we didn't go on and win anything. So that's what I think Gary had in his favor. You know, he wants to win and he'll want to win at all costs. And, uh, you know, as a supporter, you know, it's a catch-22. Do you want to still be in the championship? Or do you want to be playing in the Premier League next season? You know, perhaps with a little bit more direct and, 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 and a football that perhaps in some eyes is not as entertaining I'm going to put you on the spot now you might not appreciate this question but who would you uh, who would you prefer to see go up Derby or Sheffield United oh dear you can't ask me that or Fulham oh dear you can't ask me that I can't answer that I'm sorry I have such a good affinity with Sir Sheffield supporters Fulham supporters Derby equally 
I couldn't pick. Fine, I fine. really couldn't. I thought pick. it was worth a try. We don't ask yeah. you, don't get. Do you know what I mean? Listen, obviously, I've invested interest because of Gary because he's you know he was a friend of mine. So I. I'd love him to get promoted. That's, you know, let's say that would be great. Sheffield can come second, Fulham can go through the playoffs. How's that? That's that's exactly what I wanted you to say. Okay. That's the correct answer. We'll just wrap it up with a few sort of quickfire questions about, about your time at Derby as a whole. I suspect I know the answer to this, but what's your favourite Derby goal? Got to be the Coffee Cup goal. Yeah, the, the, you know, it was a freak of nature. Again, wish I could have enjoyed the celebration a bit more, but I didn't. But like I said, I went on to score the second. So um, that for me is the most memorable one. Well, a few uh, sort of other notable ones in there. The yeah. uh, the one away at Fulham in the Cup where um, where Derby sort of took it to extra time. That was, yeah, As a championship that. team. Yeah, absolutely. Against Van der Sar, that was a good one. But probably my, my best looking goal was against Burnley, I think it was. Again, I'd been banished to the reserves. That's unfortunate because uh, that's the only one I couldn't find on YouTube. Oh, really? <laughs> I'd like to find that one myself. And they said it was a cross, but um, I was about—I was at, on the corner, you know, a good 20, 25 yards out, and I chipped a keeper. It, it'll just be better in your head all the time. Yeah, when it, it, yeah. it's, it's for the best, it's not on the yeah. internet, I think. No, I have seen it once, but I can't find it again. So that was pretty good. But and in terms of emotional, I think that, you know, you can't go much further than scoring against uh, Sheffield United. I'm sorry, against... Uh, Nottingham Forest and I should have scored a hat-trick because I think I had a chance that I missed in the second half but that would have been a, a, a great one But two out of four not bad it's perfectly fine yeah, for the rest of us uh, who was the best trainer at Derby as in best the, trainer. sort of the most diligent and professional someone like Matt Oakley Matt okay. Oakley was a very very good trainer good professional wasn't very he very perfect professional yeah always immaculate even you know he was always dressed immaculate always looked good his hair was always done even in training yeah yeah he's a good lad very good very professional very professional. What about the dressing room joker? John, John, Michael Johnson. Really? Yeah. Well, that's quite surprising. Yeah, yeah. That. Michael Johnson, Seth Johnson. They were, they were always the two Johnsons. Yeah, <laughs> Johnson and Johnson. They were, they were funny lads constantly. What about the uh, the hard man of the team when you play for Derby? The guy that you just wouldn't hard want to cross man. in training, or you wouldn't Good want question. opponents to get on the wrong side of. Question: Who was hard? I'm trying to think. Who was hard? I've got a couple of suggestions if it helps. I tell you, you wouldn't want to get in tackle. Seth Johnson, you, you, again, he was when he tackled. Oh, you knew, you knew. He was. You felt quite it. nasty. Yeah. Who, who, who would you have said? I was thinking Mo Konjic. No, Mo. You kidding? Mo was a big tart. Was he? Yeah, he was always <laughs> injured. He, he, no. He looked like he looked scary. He, like he was hewn from rock. No, he, like an he was like a big poodle. He was like a big poodle. He was. <laughs> no, not Mo. Yeah, he looked scary. That was it. Darren Moore. No, again, Moore was a big, gentle giant. Yeah. Big, gentle giant. Yeah, he was nice, but he wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't hurt a fly in a game. You know, against them, he aggressive, but not with his own players. No chance. Seth Johnson um, then for Joker. Seth, yeah, and for, Seth uh, used to, yeah, he used to put in some ridiculous challenges. Well, Pesh, it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure going back down, uh, back through the memories, back through those famous goals. We look forward to hearing you more throughout the course of the season. Paul Pesky Salido, thanks ever so much for talking to us. My pleasure.